Hello, 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 and welcome to Power Sour Hour with Jazz. I'm Jazz, I use he, him pronouns, and this is a podcast about sour gummy candies and the people that love them. Thank you so much for tuning in and joining me for another week of excellent sour gummy candy reviews. Some updates before we get started today. The first is a correction. Last week, when I reviewed the 7-Eleven Selects Sour Watermelon Wedges, I said that the bridge on the front of the packaging was the Bay Bridge. It was actually the Golden Gate Bridge that those sour watermelon wedge sailboats were so idyllically gliding underneath. (laughs) The second is I am a fool (laughs) and did not take my own advice. I went to the dog beach with my friend Chance last week and totally forgot to put sunscreen on my legs, which meant two things. The first, I saw all the best dogs, and two, I had some pretty wicked burns after that day of sitting in the sun. General reminder, sunscreen every part of your body. Don't take a chance, just sunscreen everything. The third update is that this week I am back to work, which means that I will do my best from here on out to put out at least bi-weekly episodes of the pod for your silly consumption and my fun of producing them. But no promises. I'm going to do my best, and I, I really will. But if I don't, then, you know, I don't. <laughs> this week's candy gave me the opportunity to do more gummy candy research. Without giving too much away, I was interested in the relationship between color and flavor. I found an article that spoke to what I was thinking, and I thought I'd share it with you. The article is titled, Are Gummy Bear Flavors Just Fooling Our Brains? was written by Ashley Stevens in January of 2018. The question at the heart of this article is, do gummy bears really come in different flavors? Or do we just think they taste different because they're different colors? Stevens interviews Charles Spence, the author of Gastrophysics, The New Science of Eating. He had done an experiment where he'd brought in college kids and given them a row of clear beverages in glass bottles. Each of those beverages were flavored either orange, grape, apple, or lemon. Spence was really interested in looking at how senses affect one another, saying there is nothing more multisensory than flavor perception. He found it was pretty easy for participants to differentiate between the different flavors until he added the quote-unquote wrong coloring to the flavor. So adding orange coloring to a grape flavor. When he did that, the participants became really subpar at their ability to correctly identify each flavor. The orange color made the beverage orange. The yellow color made the beverage lemonade. Even when he took away the food colorings, the participants could no longer correctly identify what the flavor was. The biggest unanswered question for Spence then became, how soon after you encounter a food does its color affect the way that you perceive taste? Candy companies have definitely figured out the impact of color on taste. A company that really recognized this early on was Skittles. Skittles realized that it was 
cheaper to make things smell and look different than it is to make things actually taste differently. Skittles have different smells, different colors, but they all taste exactly the same. This works because brains are used to processing certain sensory clues together. For example, brains associate the color yellow, a lemon smell, and a slightly acidic taste all with one another to create a lemon sensation. This is really cool. So when the brain is offered two out of the three of these sensory clues, the brain makes assumptions and fills in the blanks about what those are. So Skittles will give you the color yellow and a lemon smell, and then your brain will fill in the blanks and create a lemon flavor. Isn't that bananas? Stevens wondered if this was the case with gummy bears, so she reached out to the American branch of Haribo. Haribo wrote her back and said, we do have five distinct flavors, strawberry, lemon, orange, pineapple, and raspberry. Stevens realized, and something I only realized reading this, was that there is a green-colored Haribo gummy bear. So it means it's not watermelon, it's not green apple, it's not lime, it's actually strawberry. I think that it's pretty cool that our brains can be tricked like that into thinking that something is a different flavor just because it's a different color. I hope that this gives you some background as we move into our review for this week. This week, I'll be reviewing Starburst Gummy Sours of Starburst fame. These are true gummies with a base of gelatin. Starburst has its own Instagram and on it has spoken several times about the gummy sours. On July 15th of 2019, they stated, so good, they'll keep you coming back for more. On April 16th of 2019, they posted a picture of multiple gummy sours with the caption, Imagine jumping into this pile of heaven. Of all the substances in the world, I wouldn't count gummy sours as one I would like to leap into. Some media facts about Starburst. In the 1960s, they were debuted in the UK as opal fruits with strawberry, lemon, orange, and lime flavors. In 1976, Opal Fruits came across the Atlantic and became Starburst in the USA. The Starburst brand Insights cite Starburst as the nationally ranked number two fruity confection brand and number one jelly bean distributor at Easter. Starburst has had some weird ads, including several with MC Hammer from three years ago. The Amazon page for the Gummy Sours states that they are, quote, sour-packed, fruit-flavored gummies that keep you coming back for more, and perfect candies for parties and sweet snacking, and oh-so-irresistible. We'll see about that. To begin, you can find these at pretty much any store. I picked them up at Mariano's for about $2.50. If you're not familiar, a Mariano's is a fancier grocery store, I'd say it falls between a Safeway and a Whole Foods, maybe a step above a Fred Meyers. The gummy packaging is made so that it sits on a shelf rather than hanging on a display. The bag is resealable with a zip top, indicating that you're supposed to have portion control or something silly like that. The background color of the packaging is a combination of a neon green border and a warm yellow center. On the front, the Starburst logo is smack dab center with gummies written underneath in all caps except for the I. Sours is in all caps as well, and underneath Sours, it lists the flavors as cherry, blue raspberry, watermelon, and strawberry. 
created with both natural and artificial flavors. There are several illustrations of the gummies themselves and appear to be squarish cubes with notable sour sanding. The squares are colored red, green, blue, and pinkish. It is noted that product shown is not actual size, so they're illustrated as approximately the size of a quarter. There are some suspicious green lines next to the gummies that are kind of like movement lines or sweating or maybe they're juicy. I can't tell if the squares are anxious or in a hurry or if they're ready to burst. I, it's a little confusing. On the back, we learn that the red color is cherry, green is watermelon, blue is blue raspberry, and pink-ish is strawberry. These squares are illustrated as dime-sized, but again stated product shown is not actual size. So at this point, what is the actual size? It is also stated that they are produced with genetic engineering. Not surprising, but it tickled me that they put that on the packaging. Upon opening the bag, there's no real initial assertive scent. I get a tartness, a stinging sour, with an overall overpowering cough syrup smell. It's pretty off-putting, honestly. You have to hunt for the smell of the individual pieces, like stick it up to your nose and inhale really deeply several times to get any sort of scent. The strawberry pieces evoke a holiday sugar cookie, and the blue raspberry pieces have that distinct tang of blue raspberry flavor. The cherry pieces give me the same cough syrup harsh smell, um, a la the whole bag, and the watermelon pieces don't give me any kind of unique smell. Moving on to appearance, we can finally put the mystery of the gummies' true size to rest. They are nickel-sized, generally uniform in that shape, and about 1 to 2 centimeters thick. Each piece does have a good coating of the sour sanding, and the sour sanding is strongly adhered to each piece. There's very little of the sour sanding left at the bottom of the bag, a testament showing how well that sour sanding sticks. The pieces are rounder than advertised on the packaging, but generally look like they were created in the image of the regular cubed Starburst. I can tell that these gummies were tasked with the honor of continuing the Starburst legacy. Each piece features the Starburst S logo, a teardrop with the letter S inside of it. On these pieces though, that shape is lost and ends up looking more like a hive or a raised mole. There appears to be a good ratio of the colors to one another in the bag, but I didn't count the individual pieces to see if this was the case. The pink pieces are pinker than shown on the bag, a nice warm tone. I would assume that these are strawberry flavored. The red pieces are deeper red than advertised, the color of a Hall's cough drop. It is believable cherry flavor color, consistent with the red flavored hard Starburst candies. The blue pieces are a typical blue of blue raspberry flavors, maybe a little bit of a deeper aqua. The green pieces are a lime green hue, the color that I would traditionally associate with sour apple or lime. I'm not feeling a watermelon vibe, would not profile as watermelon, and I would be skeptical if you simply told me it was supposed to be watermelon. There's that color flavor thing again, right? For flavors, I'll start with the pink. The pink gummies are sweet and to me taste like it could belong to the family tree of Sour Patch strawberries. There's a strong sharpness to the sweet and has a good blend of that sweet-sour balance. The sour elongates the flavor if the piece is savored, 
And I'd say that small bites are okay, but challenging. And I'll touch on that uh, more later in the texture piece. The green pieces are an undeniable watermelon. The watermelon is more present and forward than the 7-Eleven sour watermelon wedges. The taste is round and tight, like pulling on tight skinny jeans over sweaty thighs on a 90 degree day. There's a boldness to this watermelon and a lingering aftertaste. The red pieces have a familiar artificial cherry, but again, more sweet. The flavor is a little bit between a throat lozenge and a cherry starburst. It's really a heavy ogre type of flavor. The blue pieces taste like blue raspberry or like blue flavor. In doing research for this episode, I found out that, surprise, surprise, blue raspberry is actually not a raspberry flavor. It's a mix of a pineapple and banana flavor. Apparently, when candy flavors were emerging in the early 20th century, candy companies found that there was a crowded field for, quote, red-colored fruits, and that the red dye initially used to color the raspberry flavor was pretty expensive. However, a blue color dye was inexpensive, and they found that children were very attracted to the vibrance of the color and how unique it was. After they combined the two, then bam, the phenomenon of the blue raspberry was created. There's a long lingering aftertaste for each flavor, and they are very mouth-watering. I did a blind flavor test one day later after my initial tasting, and it was pretty easy to tell the difference between each flavor. I would give these a 7 out of 10 in a sour level. It is sharp and puckering. Overall, I give the sour and sweet balance an A+, due to the uniform sour sanding and the strength of the flavors. It makes me wonder, are strong flavors necessary for the proper sweet-sour ratio? I'm not sure, but so far the answer is yes. My final hierarchy of colors from favorite to least, blue, pink, green, and red. I'm sort of a blue raspberry kind of guy. (laughs) What sets the Starburst Gummy Sours apart from other gummies is the texture. They are soft, so soft. Easy to pinch, they do have some rebound, and are very pillowy and very juicy. But to me, they are soft in a way that actually makes the experience of eating them less satisfying than with other candies. They aren't sticky to your teeth, no difficulty eating them, and you don't have any dental concerns with these. I said earlier that small bites are okay, but really these are so easy to eat that you can just keep popping them in your mouth as whole pieces. There's an A-plus consistency to the sour sanding, and the sour sanding is a fine grain. It leaves a pockmarked rough surface on the gummy once the sanding is licked off. You can really feel the grain of the sour, and it becomes a dominant texture after a few bites. They're very easy to pull apart, and they melt in your mouth to some degree. There's no difference in texture between the colors. Some other descriptive words I'd use, squishy, supple, and chewy. I would say too that because of the texture, I would recommend eating them as a single piece rather than doubling up. You don't get any added resistance or additional flavor by adding in a second piece, and you can't really get different flavor combinations, even if you do eat two different flavors at the same time. I struggle with the overall score for these gummies. I initially rated them at a 6, or tempting, but after stepping away from that candy for a week and returning to them to record this, 
I landed on a four or benign. The primary reason for this is the texture. I just don't find it satisfying. The deep overwhelm of the artificial flavors, as well as the heightened sweet-sour ratio, also contributed to this score. Really, where it gets knocked down is that this bag of candy has sat in my kitchen cabinet for the past two weeks unfinished. It is so rare that a bag of gummies sits around unfinished in my presence, even if it is because I'm trying to keep them for this review. Don't get me wrong, they'll get finished, but the fact that it's taken me this long really speaks loudly to their quality. I would say that this is something that's worth trying once, but don't plan on it becoming something you want to pick up on the regular, mostly because there are a lot other options that will probably satisfy you a lot more. And now, for our next segment, Dear Elizabeth Warren. Dear Elizabeth Warren, another $10 to you after the second presidential debates. I so appreciate when you put out there that being a presidential candidate means having an ambitious vision and imagining what we can do and can have rather than what we can't. I'm sick of electability conversations and this thin-veiled sexism where women can't be viable candidates. People don't seem to remember that we did elect a woman for president, but that the election was stolen by the Russians and gerrymandering. I worry about election interference. Mulder's report and testimony is clear in stating that the Russians are already fucking up our elections again. How do we win an election when we're not only up against mobilizing Americans to vote, but also up against the propaganda and hacking from international interests? And a candidate who openly states will take opposition research on the Democratic competitor. The more I pay attention, the more precarious and devastating everything seems. Let me step away do some soothing internet shopping, and try not to be consumed with both my regular everyday anxiety and existential dread. Maybe I'll go donate another $10 after I finish with this. It seems to be the cost of a temporary soothing balm for my soul. And now, recommendations. I have two recommendations for this week. The first is a podcast. It's called Perhaps It's You, and it's an unofficial Unsolved Mysteries rewatch podcast. The hosts, Liz and Samantha, rewatch an old episode of the Unsolved Mysteries television show featuring Robert Stack and break it down in a funny, smart, and feministy kind of way. Their conversations are joyful, silly, and call out fucked up dynamics, reenactments, and segments. You can tell that Liz and Samantha have a great time doing this podcast, and I think that you'll have a great time listening to it. My second recommendation is for extra toasty Cheez-Its. Cheez-Its, but a little bit crispy, a little bit burnt. It seems like they're kept in the oven for a smidge longer, and it makes all the difference. It brings a whole new dimension to the classic Cheez-Its. It's marketed as the number one requested Cheez-It flavor, and I totally believe that. And that's the show. Thank you again for listening. Do you have ideas for other candies I should review? Comments? Suggestions? You can reach me at powersourhour at gmail.com. I'm thinking about taking a field trip to the nearby Albanese gummy factory in Indiana or doing a history of the Haribo gummies. Who knows? I guess we'll see. All right now. Bye.